value your own experiences and what you bring to the table. Hmm. Because, because whenever I started off, you know, I, I had, you know, even though I was really good at what I did, it's like I undervalued my own, my own contributions to the whole thing. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, uh, Brian Weathers, and uh, Brian started out his journey in high school, uh, went to a small high school in uh, southern Indiana, and then after that went to Purdue and got an engineering degree, um, open, or it was an eye-opener on the level of competition in, uh, in college for grades and learning, and uh, learned that you didn't have to have perfect grades, but uh, graduated nonetheless, and uh, went out, got a job, started in uh, uh, big corporate, uh, and then did small job in, in engineering consulting. Um, took the job, uh, the smaller business and worked there for about 15 years and then ended up uh, getting a divorce. Wife moved uh, a, or a few hours away, needed a job that paid more and had or had more time off and started the, the consulting uh, firm which uh, with uh, process design, which is what he does today. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Brian. Uh, thank you, Devin. So now with that, so now I just took a, a much longer journey and condensed it into a 30 or 45 second version, but why don't we uh, rewind and unpack that a bit and tell us a little bit about how your journey got started uh, in uh, going to high school in a small uh, school in Southern Indiana. Yeah, you certainly did take about like 20 years worth there and condensed it down <laughs> to about 30 seconds. <laughs> Absolutely. But, well, that that's, uh, I, I guess, my innate <laughs> ability or skill. So it, it, or it's, there you uh, go. Everybody's life can be con condensed down into a few seconds, but uh, let's unpack that a bit. So, yeah, tell us how your journey got started. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I knew I was going to be an engineer uh, whenever I was 10. Uh, amazingly enough, I pretty much, uh, 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 it's weird to think about because you just kind of let a 10-year-old decide what you were going to do for the next 30 years of, of, of your life or so, uh, which mm. is where we are now. And, uh and, you know, basically, there was a lot of a lot to do there. You didn't have a whole lot of examples per se of of uh, of of what an engineer did or or anything like that. And so, you know, you went into college and and like you said, uh, you know, you're a, a big fish in small sin small pond syndrome and uh you know you you wind up going to a big school like purdue you're in honors engineering and um and um it really to me it was it was the first time in my life uh whenever i was in college it was the first time in my life that i'd ever been like just average academically from that standpoint and so you know it 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 it, it it helped me a lot because what it got rid of was it got rid of cockiness. I'll put it that way. Cause you know, it's real, it's real easy whenever you're 
whenever you're really good academically and 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 things aren't challenging it's real easy to get to think of yourself up here but then that freshman year all of a sudden you're you're just the average in the honors engineering program and you're realizing oh it's like i've got to work so so that was good so no, I think uh, um, for a lot of people, you go to college or go to high school and you're kind of the, the top of the, the class. And then you go and you go to college. You're like, man, everybody's as smart as I am. How does this happen? How did this happen? So it's always a, yeah. it's probably a, a good wake up call and uh, one that uh, helps you to, to realize you don't have to be perfect. But if you work hard and uh, and uh, do your best and uh, it typically works out. So so now yeah. you go off to, and you go off and you went and studied engineering in uh, at Purdue. Is that right? Ag and biological engineering. I'm going to put a shout out to that. If you want to, <laughs> you want to have a great career in uh, in uh, 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 process design of, of biological processes, ag and biological engineering is where you want to go. Awesome. Well, and, uh, yeah. so now you so you went and studied that, and that's uh, you know any engineering de- degree. I, I I always give kudos. I got an electrical engineering, so not quite as cool as oh, yours. Nice. Um, but, uh, so you, you go and get the, the degree and you're coming out of school. And so, you know, you make it through, figure out that, uh, how to compete with the competition, uh, you know, and, and get through college and now you're coming out now, where did you go from there? Yeah. So, uh, my first two weeks out of school, I went to my parents' couch, um, job prospects. It's like, um, while the job prospects were very good, I had distinct issues with being able to communicate well. Mm-hmm. I get very nervous. I get I get kind of like uh, jumpy a little bit, and that came across in the interviews that I did. And it wasn't it wasn't without like much practice for me to be able to to get over my nerves to where hey, you know what? I was able to get used to going to the interviews and all of those things. And so coming out of college, I was um, um, the opportunities were either I could work at Smuckers which is, you know, a pretty big uh, uh, jam and jelly company. Mm. Or there was a little small engineering firm um, uh, that that did something called CIP, um, Clean in Place. And, um, and they called me up and I did well in the interview and all of those things. And, um, you know, I basically... Um, I decided to go with them, even though they were paying me probably about $12,000 less a year. Mm. And the reason why I did that was because at that moment, I was like, you know what? There's all sorts of opportunity here to to learn and to develop into something that is bigger than, say, a salary. No, and I think that, you know, it, I think that's a, a good one. I think a lot of times uh, early on in your career, people end up going the other way, which is, hey, I can make more money. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. And as long as they'll pay me a bit more, that's where I'm going. But I think that, you know, there's a lot you you quickly find out that having it, enjoying your job and be able to, you know, do something that you love and also be able to expand and to learn and to grow offset some of that, you know, financial difference. And so, so you go to the smaller firm and, and what did you do there and kind of how long were you there for? Yeah, so I was a process engineer there, and um, I worked there for about 15 and a half years. Um, I went along the pathway, you know, of getting better and better, and then uh, and then eventually, you know, at, as an engineer's uh, uh, career develops, you know, you start off, and, and your first three years is basically devoted to figuring out, you know, hey, how to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, your next your next 
few years are going to be, hey, how do you manage yourself? It's like, you know, you can't you can't manage a team yet or anything like that. You're just basically figuring out, you know, hey, how do I manage my own work? I've got my own small project. And how do I how do I make this happen for a client? And then, you know, you're once you've got about maybe seven or eight years in, all of a sudden, you know, you start learning how to manage teams. You start, you know, you start learning what to do really well during a project as far as like being able to talk with your client keep them happy keep the keep the uh, 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 team underneath you working toward a single goal of getting the project done and being able to do it in an efficient manner that's one of the like for our business that's one of the key things because you know what you're doing is as a consulting firm in in food and pharma you know, you're you're basically taking a technical position and all of those things, but you also have to apply customer service. You have to also apply people skills. You need to be able to you need to be able to talk well, which I had real struggles with because I am not I I am naturally an introverted person, but I have to force myself to like go and 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 do talking and all of those things. And so, and so really, you know, it's a skill set that you develop over time and you may be weak in some areas and strong in other areas to start with, but you got to figure out how to get yourself up to an acceptable level in like a few different areas. Hmm. That makes, no, sense. makes, makes sense. And I, you know, I think that, you know, the, figure out uh, what are the areas that you're strong in, what are the areas that you're weak in, and, uh, and then how you either, you know, compensate for that. And sometimes it's, hey, I'm going to learn those skills. I'm going to work on it. And other times it's, hey, I'm going to hire someone that can fill in those gaps that maybe I can't do as well and they can do better. And you got to kind of figure out that balance of where your skill sets are, where you're weak, where you want to improve on, and then, you know, and how you fill that in. So, so you did that. It sounds like, you know, you were the at the smaller bit or, or consulting firm for 15 plus years, uh, you know, got an opportunity to grow and expand and otherwise improve. Now, as you were there, walk us through a little bit of, you know, what led you to going out your own way and kind of what was the changes in life that prompted that? Like you said earlier, it's like I went through a divorce and uh, and uh, there was quite a bit of distance. Um, uh physical distance between myself and, and my children at the time. And, you know, you have three weeks of vacation and you're not making enough to be able to actually do the things that you need to, to actually be able to go and visit your kids every other weekend because, you know, they're four or five hours away. You don't have the time to just be able to take off a Thursday and a Friday with that to be able to go go do that. And then at that time it was pre-COVID, so you didn't have the mobility of where you wanted to work either. Mm. It's like I'm going to tell you probably um it, had COVID happened in 2011, I probably wouldn't have left. No, because you got to have yeah. yeah, safety safety is a driver to stay, but but then whenever you get forced uh, it's like necessity is the mother of invention, right? So that's pretty much how that happened. No, I think it makes sense. You know, sometimes, you know, and it's always interesting 
by all means, you know, divorce isn't necessarily a fun thing, not something you plan on or want to go through. And yet, you know, sometimes the hard things in life that force the change to get you out of a, a normal zone uh, can lead to, you know, fortuitous opportunities or otherwise uh, present to, you know, something that uh, will end up being beneficial in the long run, even though it's painful in the short run. So, so now you, you yeah. know, you kind of, you're going through the divorce, you're saying, okay, want to do a little bit of a change with whether it's, you know, lifestyle is whether it's, I want to work, you know, do the work that I want to do, have the hours that, you know, I want, uh, be able to work at, you know, the location I want. So you kind of go through all of those things. And as you're kind of trying to figure that all out, how, what did you settle on or what did you end up uh, doing to, uh, to, or, you know, where did you end up uh, heading or, or making the change to? So what you realized very quickly was that, you know, what you think that you're going to have all of this, you know, all of this time, you think that you're going to have all of this uh, ability to do it where you want, when you want. But then whenever your first project is a year long startup in Puerto Rico, hmm. guess what? You are working 80 hours a week. You are basically having to be at the facility and you're realizing that that you know what oh man it all, all the responsibility now falls on me too mm. that was a little bit of a, a i won't say it was a shock but but whenever you haven't ran a business before you're trying to figure out and muddle through all of those things and i really am thankful for my father on that because um, he's a retired school teacher and has a very analytical mind. And while he had never ran a business before in those early days, he handled payroll. He handled, he handled a whole lot of things that I just didn't have time to even delve into. Hmm. And, um, uh, you know, he, he made the connections, uh, down in Puerto Rico with our, uh, uh, with, with the person that became our accountant, Karen Diaz. And, uh, and now she, we hired her full on, uh, full time, like four years ago as our CFO. But, you know, so, so as you go along, you kind of, you know, you piece together this team with the ultimate goal of you trying to step back to finally figure out how to like get time and all of those things and have it not be quite too late. <laughs> No, I definitely get that. And, you know, I think that uh, one of the interesting things, you, you know, you look at, you watch, you read the books, you watch the movies or the TV shows, and you get a bit of a false sense of what it is to be an entrepreneur. Not that it's a bad thing. And I, I love it. Oh. And this is one. But you think, oh, I'll just work a couple of hours a week. And then I'll, uh, you know, go out to lunches and I'll go play and I'll have all this money flowing in. And well, maybe there's 1% of people that uh, do that. Most of the time, it's more work, it's more time and it's more energy. But there's also a sense of reward. What you build is what you own, and what you are able to do, uh, you know, is a or is able or you get to set the direction and the course for you know what uh, what you're wanting to do. And so I, you know, so you you jump into that, say, okay, I'm going to make that shift, that balance. You start your own firm, and you start to get into it. But you know, how did it go? Was it one where it was took off like a rocket ship, and you had more money than you knew it to raining down from the skies? You're always teetering on the uh, verge of bankruptcy and, and and thinking you did the or made the wrong uh, choice, or somewhere in between. Walk us through a little bit of as you got started, how it went for you. As we got started, we were very fortunate and very blessed. I will tell you this: um, I um, we had a project. Um, with a with a large company that that I had worked with probably about well all 15 years of my career 
And um, I was very much a, an expert in my field in, in for that company, and they knew me really well. Hmm. And um, I asked the project manager, hey, would you um, would you consider it okay if I were to step out just on my own as a as an individual as an independent contractor? And I had a friend, Umberto Rotas, who uh, uh, he's I, I met him in 2004 down in Puerto Rico, and we went through a startup of of a facility together. And he's one of my best friends, and mm. he uh, he let me subcontract to him to his company that was already registered with this company. If you don't know large companies, you have to be on the vendor list to be able to make things happen. You don't get to just go and and say, "Hey, knock out the door, I'm here." No, you have to go through a procurement process. You have to basically validate that you're a company. All of those things. If I hadn't have had Umberto Rosens there. To actually like let me get started well underneath his company, none of this would have happened. The other thing was, you know, that that the project manager at that time, and I, I'll I'll be forever indebted to him um, because we started off with a group of three people on that project, and it was myself, uh, 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 another guy, Michael Wertis, and and uh, Owen Bear. And uh, and it just so happened that those guys were available and they were some of my best friends from a from an engineering world standpoint uh, that had worked for other companies. And they took the risk of like actually coming and, and working with me. And so we had those three people and we did a good enough job on our first project that that eventually it turned into where you had eight people working at that facility and we were there for a year and a half. Now you've gotten up to eight people and you're thinking, Hey, this is really good. Really good. Well, eventually that prod that, that plant gets up and running and you've worked yourself out of a job. So after, uh, you know, we were done th getting done there in July mm -hmm. and, um, um, and then, um, um, we were, we were getting down there in July and around June, I got a call and, uh, it was from my friend, Rafael Mero. I'm, I'm letting everything out here, but, uh, but Rafi was like, Hey, we've got this project. It's a greenfield site. A greenfield site means it's a new facility. And that facility was right around um overall like the cost for 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 that facility was in the neighborhood of a billion dollars or whatever so it was a very large project and and he was like hey there's there's two spots for the for the cip team that are still open uh cip for those don't know um that stands for clean in place and so whenever you have a processing system and you uh, uh dirtied up in your process you have to clean it automatically to get it back to the, the reset state so you can run the process again. And mm -hmm. so we designed that system and then we get, we get it all started up and all of those things. And so there was, a, there was a spot for two people. And in July, we would only have three out of the eight people working because our project there was going to end. Mm -hmm. we, got the, we got onto this job. 
and then um and then you know we did really well and that company let us build up a staff of 10 at that project hmm. had it not been for a connection of friendships because Rafi I knew from a project I did back in 2008 at that time and right now at this point it's 2015 so I've known Rafi for seven years so if I hadn't have had those connections to get it started none of this would have been possible hmm. no I, I think you know it's interesting sometimes it's the product sometimes it's the connections and you know oftentimes it's the uh, ability to network and find those people that are going to be able to help you to expand or grow the business that you otherwise you know may not have that um, ability on your own that uh, can make the big difference between a startup going well and a startup you know being or taking a much longer time if it can get up and going and so you have those opportunities you, you work hard you get the business up and going and uh, that was you know around the the covid time frame so what two three years ago somewhere in that frame no uh, no that was that was back 2013 2015 oh, okay. or so we've been at this for a little while now now what happened though was in 2017 um you know i uh I went through, we went through a shift in our company where I bought out, I bought out my business partner at the time or whatever, back in 2017. And, and that was, a uh, that was an interesting time because we kind of, we went through a whole like, uh, reconditioning of, of how we did things or what have you and what we focused on. Hmm. And so, you know, um, expanding more on that, you know, basically, um shifting shifting trying to shift it away from myself as far as being the point man on everything hmm. that's that's what we started doing back in 2017 we haven't gotten there all the way yet but we're but we're most of the way there no makes sense sounds like it's been a, a good journey of uh, evolution but also uh, has worked out uh, pretty well for you so so now catch us up a, a bit. Where is it at today and how have things gone and kind of where do you see things headed in the next six to 12 months? So, um, like I said, back in 2014, we had about three people and we have uh, roughly about 30 people now in our company. So, I mean, it's, it's grown. Um, there's, uh, we've, we've kind of shifted a little bit like I said, in a, in a management style to, uh, to, to, instead of me being a focal point of, of every decision, we're trying to get it, um, to where we have management groups within, within our, our organization, you know, one, one might be for administration, one might be for sales and marketing, one might be for the engineering product or whatever, you know, as far as like, you know, making sure our deliverables quality is 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 really good and all of those things and um that that came about from you know hey you got to a certain point where where you just felt overwhelmed and it was really like you know all of the things that you had to do as an entrepreneur slash slash organizer of the business and 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 president of the company it's too much for one person to handle. And so that was our way of being able to a get responsibilities off of me and then b um, tying in other people into, uh, 
um, into uh, you know further furthering them up the chain of, of of management within our company and giving them more responsibilities. Hmm. Put it that way. No, it makes perfect sense. And so, so now as we've kind of reached the the present day of your journey and uh, walking through that a bit, great time to transition to the two questions I always asked towards the end of each episode. So we're going to jump to those now. So the first question I always like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? So I thought about this some this morning I asked uh, I asked our CFO this morning actually I said hey what was our worst business decision and I could think of three that like popped out of me but it all came down to one certain item and my wife will attest to this because because we have different we have different approaches and different styles hmm. I am very much an optimistic person and I will always look for the good in every situation and that also transcribes to people. And so for myself, um I I gave away my trust too easily. Hmm. Now that's a hard line to walk because because whenever you think about that you know, you have to trust business partners. You have to trust, you have to trust the people that work for you. Otherwise you won't have a workplace because guess what? Everybody's going to leave if you don't trust them. Hmm. Um, you have, like if you go onto a project and have partners in that project, say you've got another firm, all of those spots are places where you have to like, give your trust and there were times where i would let myself be unprotected i'll put it that way and it was the nature of who i am no and, I, and there's no, a roundabout that, answer no i think that's a good answer you know that one's an area that certain there are certainly a lot of people make mistakes because on the one hand, you know, you, you kind of, you, or you get to a point a lot of times with business, you can't do it all yourself. And yet if you, as you turn it over and as you try and build, establish that trust, it also opens it up to, do people do it as well as you can? Do they get it or done? Do you, are you getting what you pay for? And it just kind of is that balance. And I, you always, I think everybody always makes mistakes there. And yet you also, or you also learn a lot and it's a, a good area to improve and, and become better. So I think that's a, a great uh, takeaway. Second question that I now always ask is now, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? So I thought about this one a little bit too. And I'm going to say, value your own, uh, value your own experiences and what you bring to the table. Hmm. Because, because, Whenever I started off, you know, I, I had, you know, even though I was really good at what I did, it's like I undervalued my own, my own contributions to the whole thing. I undervalued, I undervalued myself from a, from, from a, from, from a standpoint of, of, you know what, hey, you know how to lead a team. 
you know how to do all of these things and whenever you whenever you look at like like early on you know i was you know i was having to sacrifice my own time down in puerto rico i was one that was like traveling and being away from my family still and i was i was doing all those things and i'm going to say that i didn't i didn't set a high enough price for myself as far as like what that meant hmm. and so you know again it leads back to like like you know just just uh uh being protective of 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 your own self even though um whenever you're in a whenever you're in a partnership or if you're in a company overall you still have to like i said it's a fine line because i'm not saying hey go be selfish because if you're selfish that's not going to work hmm. but but if you don't if you don't value your contributions enough if you don't value yourself enough you'll feel like you lost the piece hmm. No, I think that's uh, definitely a, a great uh, piece of advice and uh, a great uh, takeaway. So, well, now as, uh, as we are wrapping towards the end of the uh, episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? You know, you can uh, always go to our website. It's hbwsolutions.com. And uh, you can check out our staff there. You can check out kind of what we do. Um, you know, if we're if we're a fit for you, it would be great. So awesome! Well, I definitely encourage people to to reach out, make a a, a, connect, a great connection. If nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So yeah. Well, with well, with that, uh, as we now wrap up, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you, the listeners that are out there, if you have your own. Uh, journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast we'd love to have you so let's go to inventiveguest.com apply to be on the show a couple more things as listeners make sure to click share subscribe leave us a review helps us to uh, reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success and on that note if you ever need help with the, along your journey with patents trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help well, thank you again for uh, coming on the podcast and which the next leg of your journey, even better than the last. All right. Thank you, Devin.